Now, uh, this series that we've been in that we're concluding today on the tipping point, the mystery of uh, Proverbs 11.24 says, One person gives generously, yet gains even more. Another person withholds unduly, yet comes to poverty. And Solomon says, A generous person will be refreshed. A person who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And so there's this mystery with generosity that you start, like you, you say, God, I want you in my life economically. I want you in my life spiritually, both. And um, so we have a story, Ryan Massey. We have a story. Let's give it up for Ryan Massey, one of our teachers and the leader of our movement to create disciples, apprentices of Jesus who apprentice others, who apprentice others. I love this man. I just, uh, and, and, and everything that we love about Ryan Massey is contained in this story that is about Ryan getting kicked out of a women's conference this year. Are you interested? Are you interested, Southbrook? Ryan, how did, you get inter- how did you get kicked out of a women's conference? So, okay. So back like April, May, I was, I was struggling a little bit with the Lord. I was just, I, I don't know. There were some things that I, I was praying about, and he wasn't answering the way I wanted him to and didn't understand. And so I just felt like I needed a time of um, re- renewal with the Lord. And there weren't a whole lot of conferences going on at that point because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Not that that's a reason why I should go to an all-women's conference by itself. But so my wife says to me, she's like, hey, um, why don't you go to this conference that I went to? It was really great. I know it says it's an all-women's conference, but it's not. There were a bunch of guys there when we were there. I, th- I think it could be re- really renewing for you. I'm like, are you sure about this? Like, it says it's a women's conference. I'm, she's like, no, I promise. Like, it's, it's going to be fine if you go, okay? So I take my son Jacob with me. Okay, so he not only went to a women's conference, you, you took your teenage son. Yeah, he's 15. And I didn't tell him it was an all-women's conference. <laughs> God bless you, Jacob so, Massey. <laughs> so we get in there that first night, and we go in. We got there pretty late. We got in, and they were worshiping. You know, we were worshiping God. We started with singing, and, and then they started telling testimonies, all these women coming up and telling test stories of faith stories about things going on. Jacob leans over to me like a half hour in and goes, Dad, is this a women's conference? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but look, your mom said it's fine. Look, there's guys over, there's a guy there, and there's one over there. So we leave that night. We, we come back the next day. Uh, we get in there. There's even less guys the next day. And I'm like, man, Because there were a lot of guys leaning over to their teenage sons the night before going, is this a women's conference? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. why, yeah. So, so we go in, we sit down, and, like, and it's worship again. So we're starting to sing and things, and not five minutes in, this guy comes up to us. And he's kind of wearing, like, official garb or whatever. He's like, hey, what are you guys doing here? And I'm like, well, we're here for the conference. And he's like, you, this is a women's conference. <laughs> you guys can't be here. And I'm like, well, I, like, they told I was invited here by, like, and my friend Amber was there. And I'm, like, looking for Amber because Amber had said, like, you know, she had invited us and stuff. And so I'm looking for her, and I can't, I can't find her. And, and I'm like... I promise, like, they said they, we could be here, and they said the only people that are allowed here are, like, have been vetted or they're on the team. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, well, we can go out to the atrium and talk about it if you want. And I'm like, no, that's all right. We're just going to go. <laughs> so, so we walk out, and it did end up, like, a couple minutes down the road. I had, I had texted Amber, and I was like, hey, they, you know, they said we had to leave because it's a women's conference. And, 
and then my phone starts blowing up with like like calls from there like oh my gosh it was we're so sorry it was a misunderstanding we didn't realize you'd been invited i turn and look at jacob and he's like dad i don't want to go back <laughs> so we went to, we're in chicago by the way i you, went to chicago so who's in chicago you, you didn't go to oakwood no, for this conference no. you went to chicago for this conference no. For a women's conference, Charlie. <laughs> yes. So we went to the dunes in Indiana. We went to play some disc golf. It was great. We had a great male bonding time. Oh, that's so awesome. So, so like I say, stop right here because it's so much of what we love about Ryan. He just, as a deer pants for streams of water, so your soul pants for the Lord, right? Yeah. I mean, and Ryan, you know, amen. And, and I just love that about him. Yeah. And, and, and enough that you would get kicked out of a women's conference. I just think that well, you will never live that down. You will never nope. live that down. Nope. Just going to own it. It'll be one of those trivial things at a party. You know, I got, who, who here got kicked out of a women's conference? Yep. Nobody will guess. But there's something that happened there that I said, I want you to tell that. Because there is a mystery. And it's the reason why we call this yeah. the tipping point. Yeah. Is there something about when you say you first. You first, me, me next, me last, and uh, and it happened there. And it's but it's it's indicative of your journey. It's it's not the first time this kind of thing has happened. But I want you to tell Southbrook that because um, this is just pretty common for a lot of people in this room who have lived this journey of obedience. Yeah. So the first night that we were we were there, they said, "Hey, we'd like to take an offering for this ministry." And and what they said was, and they were earnestly praying this, they said, we're, we're praying that, that, that there would be an a thousand-fold return for anybody that gives tonight. Like, they've been praying that. And, and I said, I said... Let's, real quick on yeah. that, Ryan. So mm-hmm. one of the things Jesus said is, anyone who gives anything in my name, yeah. father, mother, lands, whatever, brothers and sisters, will not fail to receive a thousand times as much. Yeah. In this life and life comes. So he's talking about, you can't outgive me. Um, yeah. And it may be in the life to come. Mm-hmm. I think most of God's blessing is. So that's the context of that biblically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I had been in kind of, I was kind of in a cynical place. I was like, yeah, right, whatever. But I really earnestly felt like I was like, Lord, but Lord, I, I will receive that. Like, I receive that if you want to do it. And so I put like 20 bucks in the, in the little bag or whatever was going past of the conference yeah. that you got kicked out of. Yeah, the, it was before I got kicked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I put 20 bucks in. So the day after, I think it was the, the day or so after I got kicked out, I get this email. And the email, we were refinancing our house at the time. And the email, after a couple correspondence, basically the contents were, hey, we made a mistake. Um, you were supposed to pay 400 bucks at the beginning of this, but we didn't ask you for that uh, at the beginning of this refinance. We didn't ask you for it, so we're just going to eat the cost. You don't have to pay anything. You're like yeah. 400 so, bucks. Yeah, so, so. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Coincidence. Coincidence. Listen. Okay. Okay. This is what you'll hear. Co- that's a coincidence. So oh, several sure. years before, we had this old Dodge 2003 Dodge Caravan, Okay. We'd already had is a Dodge salvage title in business? on it. Dodge yeah. isn't even in business anymore, are they? I don't, they? Know. I don't know. I, don't know I mean, this not. vehicle, we, it was already totaled 10 years before. They had given us $3,000 10 years before. It got hit in front of our house. We already have the salvage title. The thing looks like trash, okay? So it's worth like 200 bucks, maybe. They gave us 1,900 bucks insurance. Okay, my parents call me. They have no idea anything that's going on. My parents call me. We're we've bought now three vans from them of their old vans. 
uh, we owed $2,500 on the one that they owe now. They called me, and we've paid off every one of them. They called me, and they said, hey, how much do you owe on that van? We said $2,500. They said, hey, we're canceling that. $2,500, yours, okay? We don't want you to do that. Um, we, the mortgage, okay, as, we're, as we are refinancing, they're like, hey, you might get a little money back from your old mortgage. Uh, I don't know why. Like, we've been just paying our normal mortgage. Our old mortgage company sends us a check for $2,500, okay? My wife is at Lowe's. She's going through the checkout line. We're buying a bunch of flooring. She goes, the guy goes, hey, are you uh, in the military? She goes, no. She's like, do you have any family that's in the military? She's like, well, I got a brother who's in North Carolina who's in the military. She's like, he's like, that'll, that'll work. We'll take 150 bucks off. 150 bucks. I mean, this goes on. And, and there are a few other things that I feel like, I don't, I don't know that I should share those things. But the, um, the windfall that is come, I can't explain it. It's just now, been so amazing. God hasn't amazing. done that all the time in no, your life, no. right? And, and but truly, there are moments like, where he shows off. Yeah, so and, we, kinda... and it's not like we're like 15 grand richer and like we're living the highlight. Like, you know, we do, it, it, you know, we're trying to make ends meet and we've got four kids and all that. But man, it has been so encouraging to see how God has done this. So the moral of the story is go to a conference you might get kicked out of, but before you get kicked out... <laughs> Tithe. Tithe. <laughs> okay. That's, right. That's good. <laughs> I mean, it, and, you know, he told me that. I said, well, first of all, I'm going to find an excuse for you to tell that women's conference story. I'm just like, I'm going to make something up. And, but but in, all, in all honesty, it was just one of those things where there are people sitting close to you right now that will tell you, I've had stories like this. Now, you know that here, I have a, I have a, a very strong conviction about this. The, the, the movement of God, the, the gospel of God is powerful if it were never supernatural. Because God, he, he works in moments, in movements, and in miracles. And a lot of times people will say, I need a miracle. A miracle is a suspension of natural law. That, that, he didn't, that's not one of those is a miracle. People say, oh, it's a miracle. No, it wasn't. Miracle is a suspension of natural law. But if you'll look for it, where you'll see the tipping point is where there's some, there's some movements that take place. And there's some moments that happen where you go, wow. And so that's why this series is, do you want faith? If you don't want faith, this series is really not that practical to you. But if you say, I want to grow in faith, then what we said in this series is your Bible and your bucks are the two tools that really bring this tipping point of faith into your life the tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Leviticus 27, 30. It's where God initiated this. And, and why did he do that? He didn't need their generosity. He didn't need it. But he said, I want you to take off the top what I've blessed you and put me first. And the reason he did this was because it would be a tipping point. It would be a tipping point in their journey where they would begin to see God's movement. Uh, as so much so that in Malachi 3.8, you ask, how are we to return to you, God? And he asks, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you, how, whoa, 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 God, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you'll not have enough room for it. 
And this is the dynamic that you begin to see. Uh, I, I, my personal history and experience of myself and others will tell you that what Ryan Massey just explained is not the exception. I'm not going to say it's usual, because God doesn't just do this all the time in most people's lives. But if you honor me, I'll honor you. Honor the Lord, the first fruit of your wealth, Proverbs 3, 8 and 9, and, and your barns will be filled to overflowing. It's not always material. It's usually spiritual and relational. But why did God set this up? And I think he knew for us who are very wealthy, the average American gives about 2.1 to 2.5% to charity. And so by, by Old Testament, Old Covenant standards, we'd go, whew, this is crazy. You're, you're saying 10%? Now, if you have studied the New Testament at all, you know this. You know this truth to be valid. In the New Covenant, the standard for generosity, for giving, is grace, not the law. So you go, whew, thank God we're on, out from underneath that 10% thing. But the question is, if the standard of generosity under the old covenant, we didn't have the forgiveness of Christ, we didn't have the Holy Spirit, we didn't have the promise of eternal life after death, we didn't have the church. If the standard for generosity was 10% then, now, give as you've been prospered, what, do you think the standard is less? Probably not, is it? It's probably not. If I go, if you go to a restaurant, you go to a restaurant, and the service is exceptional, the food is impeccable, and it comes time to tip your server, what are you going to tip? I mean, they've been an outstanding server. They've paid attention to you, but not too much attention. You know how that works, right? Not too much attention. They've been nice, but not too nice. And, and they, just, they just hit it. They just, some of them just have it. Now, what's, what, how are you going to be generous? Well, it depends on two things. The size of the bill and what's the standard of generosity. What's the general standard of tipping a server? What is it? 15% is sort of the standard. So if you tip $3, that might be a lot if the bill was $10. But if the bill was $20 and you tip $3, eh, that's not really that generous, is it? I mean, it's, it's the standard, but I think most of us would go, and you guys know where I stand on this, if whenever you eat out, eat out, you need to be a crazy tipper because if you can eat out, you need that money less than the person serving you who's, that's probably not what they're trying to do with their whole life is just serve people food. That's, that's probably not their dream. And so it gets into what's the standard and and and. What does it really mean to be generous? And so, in the New Covenant, we see things like this. 2 Corinthians 8. I'm not commanding you. I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Paul is collecting an offering for the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was the epicenter of all churches. The gospel doesn't spread without the gospel being in the church in Jerusalem, and they were generous with their resources, but now there's a famine in Jerusalem, and he's going around asking, now you wouldn't exist, you wouldn't know Christ if you had not been 
a beneficiary of the church of Jerusalem. He's collecting this offering and he says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich. And here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you Corinthians were the first not only to give but also have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. That's really important. You'll see in a minute. Remember this, though. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. You won't experience the tipping point nearly as much as someone who sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give 10%. Is that what it says? No, we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. Give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a hilarious giver. That's the word there for cheerful, is hilarion. God loves a person who says, this is a scandal, that I am so blessed that I can give this generously. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. In other words, what God says he wants to do in your life is you are the shovel shoveling it out and he is the big shovel shoveling it in at the top and the faster you shovel it out the faster you'll see his movement in your life and uh, again churches like this exist because there are scores of people sitting around you right now who have experienced this reality so here it all is okay i've said everything i need to say about this now i'm going to show you some examples so everybody in this room is on this continuum when it comes to generosity so 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 some of you are like, yeah, I throw a few bucks in the, the, the Salvation Army bucket at Christmas. So you're over there. Some of you say, hey, you know, I give 12 bucks when I go to the movie. We pay 8 bucks for a high school football game. I think 20 bucks to the church is just so generous. 20 bucks to charity. It's like, and this isn't as good as the football game I went to Friday night. This isn't as good as the movie I saw. So isn't that really crazy generous? Well... I would say most of us would agree that's a tip. Like you're tipping God. That's a tip. When the standard of generosity in the Old Covenant was to start here if you can. Like that's not the ceiling, that's the basement. Oh my gosh, that's right. And then move from there. You look at it as an investor. Like Sherry and I do this. We tithe to God's church, but we're always looking for mission organizations to invest in Storing up our treasure in heaven. So here's what I would say to you. Here's the conclusion of the matter. You ready? Take a picture of this. Write this down. Do whatever you got to do to remember this. If you are going to tip God, be a crazy tipper. If you say, I just, I just give God the leftovers, I wouldn't do that. I would honor him first. But if you're going to give him the leftovers, be crazy about it. Be crazy about it. Um, here's some examples of crazy tippers. I'm just going to blow through these, okay? Are you ready? Fasten your seatbelts, because I'm going to show you examples of just people who crazy tip God in the biblical narrative. They're building the sanctuary, which was the traveling tent to house the presence of God. Exodus 36, Bezalel and Aholiab, along with everyone whom God has given the skill and know-how for making everything involved in the worship of the sanctuaries commanded by God, are to start the work. We have Monty Trask for that. It's a lot easier to say than Bezalel and Aholiab, but Monty Trask is the guy who builds our stuff. 
Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab, along with all whom God had gifted with the ability to work skillfully with their hands. The men were eager to get started and engage in the work. They took from Moses all the offerings that the Israelites had brought for the work of constructing the sanctuary. The people kept on bringing in their free will offerings. Morning after morning, all the artisans who were at work making everything involved in constructing the sanctuary came, one after another, to Moses saying, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work that God has commanded us to do. So Moses sent out orders through the camp. Men, women, no more offerings for the building of the sanctuary. The people were ordered to stop bringing offerings. There was plenty of material for all the work to be done, enough and more than enough. Can you imagine us, back in the old days when we passed a bag. Remember those days? We actually passed a bag. And remember, and, and what if we got halfway back and I said, gee whiz, our bags can't hold all the offerings. Stop. Stop. There'd be a mad rush for the back seats next Sunday, wouldn't there? There'd be a mad rush. But this is what's happening. He's saying, we, we have too much material. We have too much material. We have too much generosity going on here. This is crazy tipping. Fast forward a few hundred years. And David is building the temple. This is the permanent structure. David, the king, addressed the congregation. My son Solomon was singled out and chosen by God to do this, to build the temple. But he's young and untested, and the work is huge. This is not just a place for people to meet each other, but a house for God to meet us. I've done my best to get everything together for building this house for my God. All the materials necessary, gold, silver, bronze, iron, lumber, precious, and very, very colored stones and building stones, vast stockpiles. Furthermore, because my heart is in this, I'm in addition to and beyond what I have gathered, I'm turning over my personal fortune of gold and silver for making this place of worship for my God. 3,000 talents, about 113 golds is, uh, tons of gold. Now, Sherry and I are going to be very committed to this financially, not 113 pounds, tons of gold worth. All from Ophir, the best of gold, 7,000 talents, 214 tons of silver for covering the walls of the buildings and for the gold and the silver work by craftsmen and artisans. And now, how about you? Who among you is ready and willing to join in the giving? And ready and willing, the heads of families, leaders of the tribes of Israel, commanders and captains in the army, stewards of the king's affairs, stepped forward and gave willingly. They gave 5,000 talents, 188 tons, and 10,000 derricks, 185 pounds of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 377 tons, 18,000 talents of bronze, 679 tons, 100,000 talents, 3,775 tons of iron. Which, by the way, if anybody has any iron and steel laying around, we need some for this whole construction. Anyone who had precious jewels, put them in the treasury for the building of the temple, got in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite, and the people were full of a sense of celebration, all that giving and all giving willing, given willingly, freely. David was exuberant. Can you imagine that happening where you just say, you know what, I've seen the sacrifice of so many at Southbrook to make this place special. I'm going to be generous as well. And that's what took place. Look at this. Didn't stop there. These are great words. Everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles. Now we're going ahead. The church has been launched in Jerusalem. And all the believers live in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. Acts 4, and so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. Those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the price of the sale to the apostles, made an offering of it. They're liquidating assets and turning those into 
uh, points of generosity. The apostles then distributed according to each person's need. Joseph, called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of comfort or encouragement, a Levite born in Cyprus, sold a field that he owned, brought the money, and made an offering of it to the apostles. And so you see this early church captured this. You don't give based on law. You give based on grace. And the early church didn't go, whoo, great, we're out from under the tithe. They, they went beyond the 10%. That's the arrow. They kept on going. And this is what makes movements of God happen. It's not when people sing, I love Jesus, yes I do, I love Jesus, how about you? It's when they say it with the very thing that can give you self-worth in America. And in a country where your worth is measured by your money, God says to us, how about you measure your worth financially by what you're able to give away? How about you measure your worth that way? Because that's a different economy. Last one. Just then he looked up and saw the rich people dropping offerings in the collection plate. Then he saw a poor widow put in two pennies. He said, the plain truth is that this widow has given by far the largest offering today. All these others made offerings that they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. That's the best tipping point story in the Bible, in my opinion. Because I can't imagine that widow walking up there and saying, gee whiz, I got to be generous to God today. It doesn't count as church if you don't give something. I'm going to tip God. That wasn't her standard, was it? I imagine this woman who said, God has blessed me, his goodness. There's evidence for it all over my life. And in a culture where widows were devalued, Jesus noticed her, and he notices you too, and he's no person's debtor. He's not afraid to say to you, test me in this, and see if it's not a tipping point in your life. You young people, you students who are here, you can start this journey. I'm telling you, it, for me, it started in eighth grade. I've told that story. It can start for you where you begin to see, you begin to see this reality. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. To gain what he can never lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he can never lose. Test me in this, says the Lord. Now, this series is over. And now we've got to see if we're going to practice this. For those of you who are doing it, this series has been celebratory because you have your story, not of getting kicked out of a women's conference, but other stories similar to that where you've seen the movement of God. You've, seen, you've had moments where God showed up. But for now, for the rest of us, it's now to say, okay, we happen to be blessed to be a part of a place that is moving. This week, I, I brought a bicycle up to our staff, and this was a unique bicycle. I said, let me show you the difference between what the church used to be in America and what it is now. I said, a church is a lot like a bike. If you, go to, if you don't move, what happens when you're on a bike and you don't move? Eventually, you fall over. You have to move forward. And people always say, why, do, why does the church have to keep growing? Because if you don't move forward, you fall over. <laughs> you just do. Now, how many of you had a coaster break when you were a little guy or gal? So back when America was a church-going, a church-attending country, it's not anymore. There are now more people in America who have who do not, or are not a part of a church, and there are people who are part of a church for the first time. That happened last year. And so now, now the church is different. Used to, a church could even coast. 
Just because people were socially benefited by being a part of a church. He is an upstanding member of the community at First Presbyterian. You know, that you, now that's not the case. It's, you're, you're, there's no social benefit to being a part of a church for the most part. And so here's how it's changed. Is my son Austin has what's called a fixed gear bike. And a fixed gear bike has only one gear. It has no brake. Uh, it, it has no brake. If you stop pedaling, you stop moving. And it's really wacky because it's, it's very odd. You think that sounds easy. It's not easy. You never can stop pedaling. And so you could go too fast and you'd wreck for sure. But if you stop pedaling, you're going to fall over. And that's the church in America now. It's, it's, if you stop pedaling, you're going to fall over. It's, you, you have to keep moving forward. One of the things about what's coming up next month is it's the reinvention of our church in saying we're going to reach our city through city lights off campus, but predominantly on campus. We're going to create this way that we invite students and families to find out who they are and whose they are through the Players Box Ministry. So next month, we start a series next week, hashtag I'm a boxer. And a boxer, as you'll see in this series, is just a parent, a student, a person who is fully alive and fully engaged because they have discovered who they are and they've discovered whose they are. And the simplest way to put that. And so I'm going to ask you, Southbrook, to come out Wednesday night for the kickoff of this event. You're going to be so glad you did. We're going to go through this for a month, and then November 7th, we'll we'll all bring our commitments, similar to the people who brought their commitments for the sanctuary and the temple. We'll bring our commitments on November 7th to say we want to be a part of creating a safe place for students to be fully alive and fully engaged with life. If you doubt whether this is needed, spend five minutes with a guidance counselor of a high school. Spend five minutes with a parent whose child is sliding down the icy slope of anxiety. Read the book, What Made Maddie Run by Kate Fagan, and you'll come running to Wednesday night. You'll come running to the next four or five Sundays because you know we have got to do this. Amen? I need you to do this. I need you to do this. I've never said that. I've said we, I need you to do this. I need you to be a part of this. Because I do believe this is not only reinventing our church in a new era. I do believe this is our biggest impact that we're going to have. If you don't reach kids young, you usually don't reach them. And we're going to reach them. They won't need heroin. They will get infected with the love of Jesus very early on in a way that we're not able to do right now. And so I want you to, like, like, did you hear me? Tipping Point series is over. Okay, it's over. We just did that. We got ready. Now we're going to pray for Wednesday and for next Sunday and beyond that we are a place full of boxers, people who know who they are and whose they are. Let's bow. So, Father, as we engage in this journey to create a place, to build a place 
where we're bringing the pressures of being in this world to the Christ who loves us, that we are an intersection point for students, and we pray that uh, you would just flood this place with your spirit. Flood our people with a spirit of sanctuary building, temple building, generosity fueling, giving two pennies, widow generosity. To make this happen. And uh, I thank you for the redemption of our story, incredible pain. And that you're able to use, like so many of us, not our stars, you use our scars to reach to moms and dads and coaches and teachers and kids and say, hey, there is a love like no other. And we're going to show you that love and how you can live that out fully alive, fully engaged in art and academic and athletic pursuit. So now, Lord, we pray this week. There are going to be scores of us all week long praying that your spirit would move. Thank you for people like Ryan Massey who get kicked out of women's conferences because they're so hungry <laughs> to be renewed and that this church is full of people like that. And I just thank you. And now go. Keep us out of your way. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. See you next week, everybody.